Hello, and welcome back to the Great Women Artists podcast. I hope you are all doing well. I am really delighted that this episode is supported by one of my favourite jewellery brands, Alighieri. During this difficult time, Alighieri will be donating 20% of website sales to the Trussell Trust, who are supporting food banks around the UK. Alighieri is also offering 10% off for Great Women Artists podcast listeners with the code TGWA. Here are a few words from their founder, Rosh Matani, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Love, which is quickly kindled in the gentle heart, seized this man for the fair form that was taken from me and the manner afflicts me still. Love, which absolves no one beloved from loving, seized me so strongly with his charm that as thou seest, it does not leave me yet. In the fifth canto of the Divine Comedy, we met with the lustful sinners Paolo and Francesca. They talk of falling in love over a storybook. They read together until they read no more. Their punishment is that they're trapped together in an infernal storm The Infernal Storm Necklace, a square pendant bearing the number five, is evocative of this infernal storm that is both romantic, tragic, and painful as all love sometimes is. It's a reminder to hang on to it, no matter what. Hello everyone, and welcome to The Great Woman Artist Podcast with me, Katie Hessel. Some of you might know me from The Great Women Artists, an Instagram account I set up in October 2015, which celebrates female artists on a daily basis, ranging from young graduates to old masters. Well, in a similar fashion to the Instagram, this podcast is all about celebrating female artists from a variety of backgrounds and histories. And I'm so excited to be interviewing artists on their career or artists, writers, curators, or general art lovers on the woman artist who means most to them. What I want this podcast to do is celebrate female artists in all different capacities so you, the listener, can gain a look into the greatest female artists working now or from art history. I am so excited to say that my guest today on the Great Women Artist podcast is the brilliant Australian painter Prudence Flint. With her subjects swept up in her signature pastel-like palette, Prudence is known for her eerily quiet scenes of one, two or three characters silently going about their daily lives. Whilst it might at first appear as though they are performing seemingly mundane activities from lying on a bed to brushing their teeth, Prudence gives precedent to their actions by creating tense atmospheres in their slightly distorted and jarring environments. Based in Melbourne, Prudence has had solo exhibitions across Australia and Europe at major state and regional galleries. A seventh-time finalist in the Archibald Prize, the winner of the Len Fox Painting Award and a numerous notable collections, Prudence is also currently featured in an exhibition I have excitingly curated titled Dwelling is the Light at Timothy Taylor Gallery, featuring a multi-generational group of women exploring the relationship between interiors and the outdoors. 
painting both men and women, but focusing much more heavily on the female and the female psyche, Prudence's work invites us into a narrative, an intimate, contemplative and private life where we as viewers very much become an intruder or a voyeur. Speaking about women and her work, she has said, I wish for women to be at the centre of things, to be all things, whole, boundless, perverse and representative of humanity. I want to give voice to this experience of being alive now in this culture as a woman. Prudence Flint, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. So I mean, ever since I discovered your work earlier this year, it was actually through the painter Antonia Showering who sent me an image of your work at Felix Art Fair in LA. I have been really, really quite taken with it. And since we've all gone into isolation, I should add that we're recording this virtually due to COVID-19. The work has resonated with me even further due to it focusing on these women in interior spaces, often deep in thought. I'd just love to start off by asking you, for those who might not be familiar with your work, to kind of describe the aesthetic of your paintings. The aesthetic? Oh, well, I like quite a bare aesthetic. I like to break things down to quite essential shapes and forms. I like to use colour and I really love the paint to have a presence. The paint, the colour, the texture and I suppose the sense of flesh coming through yeah. that. So it's a, it's a little bit of the tension between all those things. I work in a lot of layers so I often build up quite a surface on my paintings and there's a certain point where I love the feel of the surface and the paint starts to kind of have a hum to it but it takes a couple of months before that starts to happen so I have (laughs) (laughs) no really I have to kind of just stay with it it's like a piece of music out of tune it can kind of be quite out of tune for a long time until I get it all working and there will be a point where it feels complete and it's in as tune as it's going to get. So then I hopefully let it go. Um, In the intro, I mentioned that you said, you know, I wish for women to be at the centre of things. I mean, your works very much revolve around women. And why are you interested in focusing on women specifically in your works? Well, I suppose the most obvious way I can describe that is I grew up with three older brothers. And I think my deep interest way back then and has continued to be is my femaleness because I suppose I had to survive having three older very full-on brothers and that was the way that I survived that so femaleness has always kind of fascinated me I suppose I must struggle with it in a way I think there's some kind of wound there and I think that I make peace with it in my work somehow I think because it's been such a long ongoing interest over such a long time and I suppose that's how I understand it in myself and I think I look at the world Even when I travel, that's the thing that I'm most interested in is I love seeing how the women are. I love seeing what they wear, how they deal with their lives, you know, in different countries and how culture places them. Because women are set up in a certain way that even though we are the ones that produce life, we do kind of wear this lack and absence in ourselves and culture puts that on us and how we have to push up against it. 
And I think you have to be quite strategic to survive it. I think that's really interesting. I think what you're saying about women having this, I guess, this weight on them in a way, there's so much to kind of live up to. And I think what's so beautiful about your paintings is you really kind of explain that physically. So for example, when the bodies are distorted, you really understand that woman looking after her child and the weight that is carried on that and all that she has to go through in a way. Well, I feel like women, I mean, I'm sure men feel this too, but I think there's something about our bodies and the kind of swollenness of what we go, I think it's hormonal and the kind of dysmorphia, that sense of how big and small we are and it and it moves and it's emotional and I'm really interested in that and I never feel like when I paint a body until I get that kind of swollen feeling it doesn't feel right to me it doesn't feel like a body yet like when I use photography I use it to a degree when I get my friends to model but then but then I kind of have to feel my way through depicting the body I have to make it feel like a body and that often means that I will distort it but it doesn't feel like that when I'm doing it the painting requires it I guess it adds to the the narrative and the kind of the whole aesthetic I think you know when I look at your paintings I really feel something I think as a woman I look at these works and I see myself in so much of it whether it's lying on the bed whether it's kind of brushing your teeth in the shower or anything I really kind of resonated with it so much more than I ever really have done it almost remind me of someone like Alice Neal who really kind of paints the psychological aspect of her sitter I love her work a lot actually I when I teach I show her work to the students and it's so felt I yeah Mm. I really respond to it and brave and absolutely and and I'm wondering as well what's interesting about your work is the fact that you know these portraits are in a way, quite traditional, you know, figurative painting has been something that has been around for hundreds of years. And I wonder if, you know, I've read that you like to reference Renaissance paintings and you like to look at that. I mean, tell me about that aspect of your work. When I go to museums, I just, I love, I love to see figurative historical paintings. I just find it's such a precious window into the past and intimate they're so amazingly intimate and crazy and they give you this amazing way of seeing the perversity of humanity because I recently went to the Prado in Madrid last year and oh yes I couldn't yeah. believe how crazy some of the paintings were like really when you look at them and you think what is going on here I, mean, I won't <laughs> even I won't even start to describe some of the things that they depict but they do. They really make me kind of come home and just give myself freedom. Like I just think, yeah, go for it because human beings, we are very strange. We, <laughs> you know, in certain times we kind of zoom in on certain things and, you know, but it, but it changes over, over centuries of what's, what's okay, what's not okay. And so I really love looking at historical paintings and there's just so much intimacy and love in them and and I love religious paintings I mean they're so perverse you know I went to a girls catholic school all my life and I grew up you know around crucifixions but when you really start to look at what they are and they're very perverse and yeah I love it all (laughs) (laughs) the drama of it yes so beautifully (laughs) rendered and yeah and felt 
And I'm interested as well because, you know, like I said, you are putting women at the centre of, of your work. I wonder if you're thinking about how women have been betrayed in our history and almost trying to kind of reinsert them as that centre subject in yeah, your work. Yeah, because for me, I am the centre. So, so yeah. my, my femaleness, <laughs> why would I not put it at the centre? And it's interesting because it's only been the last few years that I've started putting males in my work. You know, I've been doing these paintings of a man and a woman and I wouldn't have attempted it before because I probably would have thought that it would close things down because the minute you put a man in a painting it places the woman in a certain spot and it's like closure so I needed to keep the men out because I needed to give the women the center stage and that was my interest and it's only now that I feel like I can kind of bang the man into a spot where he's fucking behave, you know, like I can, I have to be really strategic how I put the man in the painting and give the woman plenty of space. And it's quite interesting how kind of powerful it is that the thing of the man and the woman and yeah, that you put mm. that in a painting and it's kind of all set in stone. How do you make some space in yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. So it's probably indicative of what I'm doing in my own life you know it's the paintings always are reflective of what I'm struggling with in my own life so I think your um but like sort of depictions of men are so interesting though because what the way I see it in your work is the kind of like psychological absence of men but this physical presence so for example a work like The Stand which is in the Timothy Taylor show I mean it's so interesting because you know that man's there, even though his face isn't there. His body is there and he's nude and he's so exposed as well, which I don't think, I'm not emasculated in a way, but there is this kind of, you know, he is the second character here and he is the kind of smaller character here. Yes. And I wanted that. I had to work mm. out how to make that happen. And I had to kind of cover his face and because in a way his body becomes the face. Yeah. I didn't need the two faces and then the woman's face because you put too many faces, <laughs> you know, because the, the body is a face in <laughs> itself. So it took a while to get that to happen, the dynamic of putting the man so that he wasn't going to dominate the picture. They feel very sort of passing and, and resting. They're not these action figures, men in your work. They are these passive figures in a way. Because that's how, well, that's been funny because people comment on that. And I, and I actually think that's how I see men. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really see them, you know, intimately they do rest I kind of feel like that's I don't know that sounds crazy but I suppose that's intimate isn't it that's kind mm, of yeah that's an affection that's my affection for them for this mm. person in the painting it's just interesting I guess because it's you know we go back to the idea of historical painting and I mean like I said earlier it's Alice Neal as well she's coming up again because she painted men as humans rather than these kind of action heroic figures that I think so much in figurative painting that's the way they've been presented and that's because mainly you know we see figurative work by men that's probably why as well we haven't had as many female figurative painters who are putting the woman at the center but I think what's so powerful about the women in your work is the fact that there is this kind of ordinariness to them I mean there is this beauty that retains throughout the whole of this serene simple interior but the kind of ordinariness of the scene whether that's what they're doing or even the way they look in a way for me the way I see it is ordinary becomes power I mean tell me about the kind of ordinariness in your work Mm. I suppose that this the simpleness and the plainness is kind of the paired backness of 
everything, I suppose. And I get my friends to model. So I suppose I, I pair them back and I see their beauty and it's maybe what we put on women. And I'm just depicting, I suppose, a paired backness of what I see and not a kind of idealized. Though there is, you know, I, I do idealize in some respects but maybe not in the expected ways that you would see in a fashion magazine. I'm interested in emotional weight and plainness and I'm probably not giving too much away by expression on the face because that's too much. Usually that will take over a painting, so the body's got to do it and, yeah. It's so interesting because, I mean, you know, th- like I said, there there is so much beauty in the image. I mean, every aspect of the work is beautiful, but I guess it's it's the pose, it's the reflectiveness. None of the women are kind of made up, which maybe in a way is an unusual thing that we see because so much of the way that we see women in the media is made up and is this kind of idealized non or extraordinary version of women. I mean, I'm just looking at your work now and something like blue cotton dress. I don't know, there's just so much simplicity in this image. And it, in, in a way, all these women kind of speak for all of us. I've heard you say it's, you know, it's as if women are unrecognisable, if unrelated to male desire. And I guess maybe it's just groundbreaking in the sense that you're seeing this woman who is just herself. Yes, in moments where maybe she's not performing for men, maybe she's Because I think the idea for blue cotton dress, I think of those moments when you're on your own during the day and you just might stretch out on the bed like that and you'll be in your own world and that's the kind of thing I'm trying to capture. And it's not about performing for other people. It's like a self-relation. So Mm. the performance is (laughs) something else. It's those moments maybe when you see yourself. Because often Mm. that's what happens. I will have a moment in my life where I'll kind of notice that I'm doing something and I think this would make a great painting. You know, I'll be sitting in a restaurant or something on my own because it'll be full of, <laughs> in, it'll be full of intensity for some reason and I'll think this could work as a painting or, yeah, or I'll, I'll be lying on the bed in a certain way and think, oh, this evokes something. So there are always moments on my own. They're not moments where other people are looking at me. And maybe other women recognise that. And I'm sure men have those moments too. But maybe they're poignant for women because we are so used to being represented from the outside, you know, performing. I'm interested as well in the sense that these women are also in the home, which also this domesticity, there's such rich history in the history of the world, but also in the history of art and women being confined to these domestic spaces. What I love about your work is it's almost reclaiming that space and saying, actually, yes, we're going to take up space in this area where, yes, we've been confined to the kitchen. You know, I think there's so much connotation with women and domesticity. Yeah, and because when I first started to do women in the home, I didn't like it getting called domestic. But then I kind of started thinking that all the most amazing moments in my life or realizations or, you know, really particular psychological moments when I know something has shifted, it's all been at home, on my own, and when I've had moments and just thought, enough. You know, those moments where you just make a decision and you you shift something in your mind. And they've all been moments at home. So For me, home is a powerful place. I think it's where everything amazing happens. (laughs) And then you've got something to take out into the world. 
So I suppose that's what I'm trying to capture in my paintings, all those kind of epiphanies. Is that what the word is? Yes, absolutely. And I love the fact that home is this important place where so much can happen and perhaps we don't realise that so much. And I just love to ask, you know, when did you have that realisation in your work where you really actually wanted to focus on these interior spaces specifically? Well, it probably happened when I started working at home. I mean, I have been working in a studio at home for 20 years now and I suppose, you know, I'm home all the time and I, it's where I want to be and it's where I get my work done. And it, so it makes home very intense. You know, I'm just independent. I don't get distracted and I, I just, I can really lose myself in my studio. And so home becomes this very intense place for me. You know, it was like self-referencing. I would, Because what I do when I'm home, I will paint and I will sew and then I will cook and I will just go from one thing to another all day and I will just do a few hours here. That's how I get things done. I never just, I will never paint for more than, say, an hour or at a time. I just, I'll do an hour and then I'll sit back and do something else. I find that I need to do that to see what I'm doing and just make good judgment and not lose myself too much and just keep the distance and come back and mm. see it clearly again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, when I look at your work environments, these kind of closed in, sometimes distorted environment. I mean, it, it's such a kind of intense. Yeah. But, you know, spaces do loom. They loom over you. I do feel that. I feel rooms are very, they, the, you know, living in rooms, they have presence. That's probably how I experience living at home. I really notice light a lot. I need really good light to paint my paintings because I paint by daylight and so the light's starting to go now this time of the year and it's like oh so I lose about three hours of the day and now I'm, I'm having to be really particular about when I start painting because I start losing the light and um even in Australia. I think the light aspect of your work is so interesting as well because it's so brightly lit, but also the shadows. I'm just looking at works up such as Large Tartan Blanket. And even though that's outside, you really feel that light and that sort of weight of the light over them as well. Yeah, I think that's probably Australian light. I don't know why I really love light. I find I, I get quite affected by that. And painting, you need to see what you're doing. To see the colours, because I work with colour and tone so much and subtlety of those, I, I really need good light to get on with my work. I guess I also think the light kind of really adds to the narrative as well. It feels like this kind of amplification of intensity as well. Yeah, I suppose that's what I'm after, that intensity. It's interesting as well when they are placed on something like a bed, which is almost this kind of centre stage and really kind of anchoring the scene. And they're almost spotlighted on this bed as well. I'm just looking at a work such as The Wake or something. It's as though everything's focusing on this woman for this moment and you're almost kind of driving us towards this person. Yes, like it's a moment and I wanted it like the morning, you know, you wake mm. in the light and you've woken up and it's like the intense light of kind of realisation or that's what I wanted to capture, yeah. Everything it's, appears so heightened in a way. But I think your environments are so interesting because, you know, like we said earlier, you know, you're really focusing on the home. And when I saw your work for the first time, I just, I don't know, th there was this just shock in me that I just thought, oh my goodness, it's just about a life and a sort of routine in a way. And since we've kind of gone into isolation, you know, this is 
completely my routine. You know, I used to work in an office or I'd go to the library or something. And now I'm literally just confined to the four walled rooms and the bed and the sink and the shower. And my life, my life. Yeah, we're all, we're all just becoming like you, basically. But it's so interesting because as someone who is, you know, often outside or doing this or doing that, it's so interesting. You feel so rooted and grounded in these places. And kind of loaded. They're loaded spaces, aren't <laughs> they, for women? I know. I suppose because I do teach a couple of days out of the home, but I'm still very fond of home. Yeah, I suppose if you worked out of home, it's, it's a different thing, isn't it? It's a social yeah. space. I suppose that's what my paintings are. They're private. It's a private, intimate space. I'm not trying to create a social space. I'm not interested in that. I'm more interested in the self-relation of what happens when you're on your own and the psychological shifts that you go through and when you're processing issues in your mind and, and what you go through on your own. I find I need a lot of time on my own to just clarify how I feel about things. And I suppose that's because I need to manage that to get my work done. I just need to manage my own kind of moods very well. As I've got older, I've got better at it. And yeah. I think it's interesting what you should say about this state of reflection as well, because in a way, paintings or going to a museum, it's, I, I always see paintings as something that you reflect on. It's almost like this relic or something. You know, I, I always see museums as a kind of cathedral or something. I also grew up going to Catholic schools and maybe it's just that kind of built in me. But they are these sort of states of reflection. And when I look at your work, you just feel, I guess, so into it and you feel like this voyeur as well the angle is so interesting on so many of the paintings because you feel like you know this person or maybe this person could even be you because they feel like a kind of every woman in a way and you just feel like all those times when you've been on a bed with someone or you've been by yourself and you've felt this weight your work feels very personal <laughs> for sure yeah because I suppose that I always have to embody it first it all comes from moments I've acknowledged in myself but at the same time they need to be moments that I know are universal that I know everyone feels they're moments when I go okay I feel this intensity and I know this is everybody so that's that's probably why they feel so private because they have to come from actual lived experience and and they feel like they're really sort of talking about contemporary life as well what's interesting about your work is there's something about it which really resonates with me with the kind of 21st century the palette is very bright it feels very sort of active and almost quite animated as well it really feels electric in a strange way even though you don't really have any technology in it it's really kind of talking about contemporary life right now mm, I love that <laughs> Yeah, I suppose that just comes through with living life now. I don't know. But I love that you say that. Maybe it's the kind of contemporary dress or something, or there is something quite sort of not technological about it, but animated, I guess. How do you mean animated? I guess it feels like, I mean, so for example, when I look at one of your works, I see, obviously I have a very personal reaction to them, but I, I see this kind of narrative as almost like a film still or something or like a still in a play. There's so much going on, whether it could just be one person brushing their teeth or it could be a work like The Visit with three characters in it. It feels like this snapshot and maybe I'm a total overanalyzer, I don't know, probably, because I love to do this thing. Because <laughs> I, actually, I actually 
actually have very specific reasons I put things where they are. And I don't necessarily think I need to divulge any of it, but I they're all got stories to them. They're, every object is a reason. There's a little story. There's a little joke that I will have with myself. And <laughs> <laughs> because that's what makes them fun for me to do. I, they're like a purge. They all have little reasons and every character represents something for me. I like that you say that. I feel that's what I want. But I think it's interesting the way that, you know, you've added these additional characters. I mean, how is it kind of painting two characters as opposed to just a single figure? I mean, because sometimes in something like The Fitting, it feels like those two characters could be the same or maybe those two characters are in a relationship. Sometimes I don't even know. I kind of like the discomfort of it and the unknown of it. And I kind of, (laughs) and it's a bit like a dream. You know, when you dream, I love dreams. So often I will try to give myself freedom when I start to think about a dream and representing how characters are interchangeable in dreams and to allow you to express something. The dream will put a kind of a red herring person in. You know, that's how I think about the painting. But I like it to be kind of open-ended and a little uncomfortable because then I think it's real because otherwise it's just closure. It's just... If you do something that's too comfortable, it's like the brain goes, oh, that, that's that, that's that, that's that. It's all about language and it just goes closing down. So if, and it doesn't take much to put something a slightly, especially when it comes to women and especially when you put women together, you don't get a lot of room to move. You realise how it's quite a blind, unconscious web the policing of what's what and what's named what. And so I think I'd like it to be like, I don't know what's going on, but it feels right. Or I think that's definitely it. I think there are kind of so many moments of uncomfortableness or even just, I think what's interesting is the interiors are so perfect in a weird way. You know, you look at that bath and it's a perfect angle and all those tiles are perfectly placed. And then you get something like in the cup, you get this mirror, which is this strange reflection. And that's just really, in a way, puts you off. It's like this uncertainty in it. <laughs> yeah, because I like it when it slightly looks a bit bloody. And <laughs> Yeah, there are moments like that. And you're like, oh my gosh, is this part of it? Am I, am I walking in on this? I mean, you really feel like you're walking in on this person's, something's happened. <laughs> There's a lot of drama going on. But drama does go on. I'm sure, you know, most couples have dramas. They're how could you not have dramas? You know, yeah, it's you know, and even no, if you don't have dramas, that's drama. Because, yeah, the tension. <laughs> yeah, because then you're repressing it, so it comes out in other ways. There's always stories, and there's always stuff. Yeah. Mm. Do you find that you base a lot of it on your own life and your own experiences? Yes, totally. That's my reason I do it because it's like a way of making peace with myself I kind of make the stories and sometimes I don't even know what I'm making I'll just kind of have a feeling like I want a standing figure and a lying figure and and then it all just configures itself and it's lots of fun I I love it you know in the cup like the woman I don't even know why I wanted the cup but it just seemed like she needed to be doing something and that seemed right. And then, you know, there are stories like Romeo and Juliet and the, you know, the poison and there's all, and there's layers. Oh my gosh, yes. And then there's the cup of forgetfulness and there's all things about drinking and 
So there's layers of referencing for me that make it hold interest. So then the idea has resonance for me. One of my favourite works of yours is the shower works as well, because I think that the way that you portray water is, I mean, I don't think I've ever even seen, apart from maybe a Hockney or something like a, I mean, this is, you really feel like you're in the shower with this person and you feel that water kind of really heavily kind of gushing down on you. (laughs) Well, you know what inspired that? Because I think I just come back, I think I just come back seeing a whole lot of religious paintings in Europe and I saw crucifixions and all the blood dripping and I wanted to kind of do a female version of a crucifixion and that was the shower. That's where the shower came from. I'm sure everyone has done this whenever I've cried in the shower and then kind of realise how ridiculous it is because, you know, you've got this water pouring down and you're crying and, and you know, we've yeah. all done it and I suppose that's also where the idea came from. So it was like... The kind of crazy absurdity of that and all that amazing kind of blood and liquid, you know, tears in all those beautiful early Renaissance paintings that fascinate me because it really doesn't look like, it doesn't look really like water, but it, I wanted it to feel like water. I suppose that's the difference, isn't it? I never really thought about that kind of divine aspect to it. But now looking at the works like Shower 2, just the way that that sort of celestial like white is just dripping off the chin or something. And, and it is this, it is a very kind of divine experience in a way. Yes. The shower can feel like that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, light and water. Yeah. Yeah. And why do you like to kind of focus on these kind of mundane tasks but then give precedent to them in a way because in for me they aren't mundane they're the moments in life they're the really precious moments <laughs> I'm, I've never been good at celebrations I I think real moments in life always happen when you kind of least expect it and you'll have a kind of a lovely moment and you think wow okay I've just acknowledged something so maybe that's what I'm trying to capture and do you have a lot of sort of literature and film references in your work at all? I mean, I know I spoke a bit about earlier about having it feel like film stills, but are you thinking about that or is it mainly kind of derived from real life? I've been a real film fanatic in my life. I've probably watched about every movie there is. <laughs> no, honestly. And I read a lot of fiction. But painting is very much its own world. It's got its own limits. It's a very kind of particular, it's quite a clunky Thing to create a painting. I've got to really pare everything back and to its basic essentials. But I'm sure all, the, all films and narratives and the way figures sit in spaces, that's all been influencing me. And I just love to sort of go back to kind of beginnings as well, because I mean, you mentioned at the start that you have three brothers, what I think is really interesting. And I'm just wondering, was art something that was always present in your life when you were growing up? No, not at all. It was not a part of our life at all. And I think I was really attracted to beautiful things when I was young. And I thought I wanted to work for a fashion magazine. I got a degree in design and I wanted to work for Vogue Australia. And um, I did a few jobs for them, (laughs) just very small, just kind of freelance jobs. But I was terrible. I just kind of I realized I was much better at (laughs) doing my own thing and I started to get interested in painting then and I kind of realized I was a bit of a dreamer and I was interested in my dream world and that was probably what I was good at. I love that because I feel your work, like we discussed, really comes from this internal 
place, but I'd also love to ask you about your process. I mean, because I've actually really sadly never seen one of your works in real life. I've seen just thousands and thousands of images and I'm dying to see them in real life completely. But I'd love to know how you actually get to this final image. I mean, tell me about your process. Um, well, I keep a journal. I've kept a journal since I was about 19. So I write a lot. I write all the time and I draw in my journal. And so the ideas will start as little doodles and little kind of sketches. And then I start producing these little drawings, like they're just little A5 pencil drawings. I have books of them, like millions of them. And then there'll be a certain idea that I think, now that's going to be a painting. That's a really nice yeah. idea. And then I draw it up with willow charcoal. Yeah, I'll just draw it up out of my head because often I will move it around. I'll just see what the big shapes look like. And then I get a friend to model for me. Or sometimes I'll get a friend to photograph me in the pose so I know that I can embody it. And But I don't like using myself as the model, but I will sometimes that's the first thing I'll do to just go, this is what I want and I'll get the feel of it. And so then I go, oh, you know, Christine will be great for this one. So I'll get my friend yeah. to come over and they'll kind of trust that I will do them justice <laughs> and, um, and I'll photograph them and oh, I will use parts of it. And But I will keep true to the original idea that's out of my head because I find that photos, they give me certain parts of information that's valuable so a lot of the painting I will just make up most of the time but you know like complicated things like light falling on an arm and you know a shoulder I need the reference for it and I quite love getting quite lost in the detail at times and I can get it very wrong too but I quite like that I quite like getting it wrong and kind of thinking, boy, what did I do that for? You know, it's interesting. I think your work is so, you have this kind of signature pastel-like palette in a way. I'm wondering why you like to use specifically these tones for your scenes. It's all about the feeling of it, I suppose. Yeah. It's just yeah. what feels good. And I'm very, I've got, as I've got older, I've got really sensitive to colour. I love colour. But I, I know that I colour can make me feel quite ill. If I'm around really awful colours, I just <laughs> I really I really react now. It's like I've kind of that part of my brain has developed and yeah. it's quite hypersensitive. So it's like people say to me, Oh, your paintings are getting quite somber and pared back and I'll be thinking they're incredibly bright and you know and I think, Wow, that's really subjective. What's bright, what's not? And and often yeah. I'll see yeah. other people's paintings and I think, God, they're leery, I can't deal with it. And I love pared back. There's a certain time in my studio in the afternoons when the light is just so, and it's amazing. It's like this beautiful moment for about an hour in my studio where I look at my paintings and they can look their best. It's like this kind of gorgeous, warm, bouncing light in there. And it's when I kind of think, oh, and I, I love my paintings. Like I will, it's when I like, I think this is how I want my paintings to be seen and it doesn't always, yeah, you know, yeah. it is, I think there is that moment of light and warmth and uh, just that ambient, beautiful light that I, I suppose I am trying to capture that. 
No, I think that's lovely. Well, thank you so much, Prudence, for this. This has been absolutely incredible and insightful. And and as this is the Great Women Artists podcast, we always end each episode by asking our guests if there was a female artist from now or maybe from history who you'd most like to meet, who would it be and what would you say to her? Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, there's quite a few. You can do it. You can have multiple if you want. I'm a real fan of... um, Jocelyn Hobby, have you heard of her? No, oh my gosh, I have to look her up. She's a New York artist, painter. She's not on Instagram, which is a shame, but she's an amazing painter. She paints women and they're amazing. They're kind of hyper real, but kind of crazy. She kind of goes that extra mile with the, the humorous and kind of felt and She's got a beautiful sense for detail and textiles and pattern. So she's been quite an influence on me. And we we have written to each other. So I'm a real fan of her work. She's kind of egged me on because I see her work and I think, oh, it's so brave and kind of humorous. So she kind of really, and she really talks about women and the absurdity of women in culture and how we get represented and she has a lot of fun and they're beautifully painted you'll have to have a look yeah definitely yes well thank you so much prudence it was so so lovely to meet you yeah you too thank you Thank you all so much for listening to the 24th episode of the Great Women Artists podcast with the brilliant Prudence Flint. It was such an incredible insight to hear all about her work that I've been thinking so much about lately that has really resonated with this time as well. This podcast was sound edited by the great Amber Miller. And if you have been enjoying these episodes so far, I would be so grateful if you were to leave a review as it helps others find us. And of course, thank you for listening to the Great Women Artists podcast with me. Katie Hessel.